Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, working and making decisions go hand in hand. Every day, no matter what your job, you likely make dozens of decisions. Some of them are maybe thoughtful and measured and good. Others, though, might be clouded by emotion or by the influence of other people or by haste. They're not all wise decisions, but maybe they could be, or maybe more of them could be. Well, to talk about how to make decisions better, I'm joined on this episode by two really interesting guests. They're experts on how to do just that. Dr. Jim Lauer and Dr. Sheila Olson-Walker are the authors of a book called Wise Decisions, a science-based approach to making better choices. Dr. Lauer is a performance psychologist, and Dr. Olson Walker is a behavioral geneticist. So they do come about this from a very scientific angle, and they have a lot of research to back up their recommendations. It was a fascinating discussion. Please stay with us to hear it. voice to make better decisions at work. Dr. Jim Lur and Dr. Sheila Olson Walker are the co-authors of the book Wise Decisions: A Science-Based Approach to Making Better Choices, and they join me now to talk about that. Well, thank you both for being here. Thank you, Linda. We're I'm excited and I'm sure Sheila is excited as well to be with you. Well, you know, I have a lot of questions about decision making and making the right choices at work. But before we even get into that, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your own careers and how you got interested in this area. I'll start with you, Sheila. Well, um, it was a it was a personal and professional journey. I'm an athlete. I'm a tennis player and grew up uh, on the courts, learned all the big life skills that got me ahead uh, on the court as an athlete. And uh, I had a first career in investments. I was a portfolio manager for a mutual fund company. I uh, did that for seven years and then switched gears into getting a PhD in behavioral genetics, working on a big twin study to look at nature, nurture, and behavior to really explore this big question that Jim and I both share about how we can become the very best versions of ourselves. Um, you know, we, the big learning from the twin study is it's nature via nurture. We're always a work in process across life as human beings. Uh, the childhood and adolescent years are more special uh, in that regard. But it's really um, this basic question about how, what we can do, how we can control the controllables to shape ourselves uh, by things that we uh, make concrete decisions about to be the very, very best versions of ourselves in life. Interesting. Jim? Yeah, I uh, started out, uh, got my master's and doctorate in psychology and uh, became heavily involved in community mental health. I became chief psychologist and executive director of a very large community mental health center system. And But I met a person who changed my career, my career path by the name of Dr. Joe Vigil, who's a brilliant exercise physiologist and Olympic legend in track and field. And he inspired me to apply psychology to human performance. And I spent the next multiple years uh, trying to understand that application and build a company called the Human Performance Institute um, with Dr. Jack Roppel, who has his PhD in bioengineering. And the two of us built a company that um, has some 400,000 people from every arena of high performance, military, special forces, 17 number ones in the role of in sport, 
everything from chess champions to sumo wrestlers. And that is the database upon which pretty much all of the information that I have acquired um, over the many years of my career. And it all led us to, and Sheila and I serve on a board together, a non-for-profit board that are trying to apply and really understand the most important lessons for young people, parents, and coaches. And we came to this uh, realization that not enough attention is being paid to decision-making. So we put it under a microscope and looked at all the research that has been accumulated in this space and what are the practical values of that? Because we really believe that's the most important part of who we are as human beings. Human beings is our ability to make choices and to make good, wise choices because it changes almost everything in our life. Well, let me just ask, this book is called Wise Decisions. Do you think people make good decisions? I know it's a broad question, but there's so many things that go into this. And we're talking about the workplace. Now, would you say that uh, generally speaking, people do, or generally speaking, they're influenced by too many things? Well, it's hard to, you know, one thing we're that's very clear in the research and in, in human behavior is that we're a product of what we've learned over time. And uh, most people have not taken time to unpack what those things are, the things that have shaped their decision-making processes, uh, experiences over life, parents, uh, grandparents, teachers, coaches. Um, so, you know, making a our little decisions all add up to our big, big decisions. And we can, if we're not aware that we're making decisions and not aware of the decision-making process and why we're making our decisions, it's easy to make impulsive decisions and react rather than act. And so what Jim and I tried to do here was put together a, a framework and, and provide some tools and exercises to help people think about that decision-making process. And the first step in that is being aware that a decision is even happening. And then there's a, you know, uh, we talk about Yoda, your own yes. decision advisor. And we all have Yoda inside of us. And Yoda is something that we can build and develop just like any other muscle. You know, if we go to the gym and want to build our biceps, Yoda is is a, a decision-making process that that is practiced over time and we it becomes automatic habit over time. But as we begin to make thoughtful decisions where we realize, you know, this is a decision point, I'm going to choose A over B or take a step back from a decision to take time to process it and really unpack the longer-term ramifications. Those are the seven lenses that you, that you mentioned, the different ways that we can look at a decision. Um, we grow better at making better decisions that are aligned with our longer-term values and beliefs and how we want to show up in the world over time, both in the workplace and at home. Okay, well, let's say you're a manager in the workplace and it's not the easiest job, especially now. You want to be more thoughtful this year about your decisions. You said you can work on this. What are the practical things you can do to get better? Jim? So it's really, uh, it's a good question, very practical question. Um, like anything, it's just like if you decided you wanted to improve your bicep or quadricep, you wanted to improve your oxygen transport system in your lungs, you would have to do, you'd have to go into training. You'd have to go in and you'd have to start investing a lot of energy in that, in that dynamic, in that capacity. Decision-making is very similar. We have this amazing ability to, uh, to kind of reflect, we call it reflective consciousness or conscious reflection, that you actually can become very acutely aware that you're entering kind of a sacred space. The most 
critical space we have is the ability to make a choice, a choice maybe over the, you know, this easy, easy wrong over the very challenging and hard right. But we have to work that muscle. And in the book, Wise Decisions, we have developed a number of ways that people can actually strengthen that dynamic so that not only are they making better decisions, but those who are around them watch them and they can see the decisions in the process. It's not just some impulsive gut response or something that's so totally automated that they've never even considered things like the consequences long-term or short-term, all of the issues that their values, their beliefs, what their gut is saying, and factored all those in. And what we're trying to do is make sure that you don't just jump into a big decision, you actually understand this is maybe the most important part of who we are as human beings. It separates us from all the other species in the animal kingdom. We can actually change the trajectory of what's going on by being very thoughtful and deliberate and intentional in the choices we make. And a follow-on on that uh, is the importance of, in order to be deliberate and thoughtful and intentional, uh, the importance of health. And that's our opening chapter of the book, multi-level health, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And by spiritual, we mean our, our higher order values and beliefs, those, those things that are most important to us, how we want to show up over the long game in life. But when we're sleep deprived and kind of getting by on fumes and duct taping it together to get from point A to point B, not giving ourselves enough time for, for, for self-care, uh, for all the things that we know are important to us, we can't expect to go into a situation and make reasoned, thoughtful decisions. So it all starts with health um, and, and being aware that particularly, I mean, the little decisions around our self-care and health add up to, to, to catalyze our capacity uh, during the work day in the workplace. Oh, the other major thing that I would say is our is the our Yoda codes and managers. Uh, you know, wh wherever you are in the company and the company ladder, um, really uh, thinking about those five or six words that are the most important for you. How you want to show up over time. Um, you know, kind kindness, generosity, gratitude, integrity, courage, humility the big words that really are kind of your code of your true north for who you want to be over time. And, and so being healthy and balanced and thoughtful, and then holding in mind those things that are the most important over the long game of life, long, longer term than, than, than maybe this decision at hand. And Jim talked about taking the hard right over the easy wrong. Um, that's how, that's how those kinds of decisions are made. Um, seeing out into the future and being in a place where one is, uh, focused and aligned with one's values and beliefs and in a place of balanced health. Sorry, so those words are not necessarily words that I hear in terms of management, right? Humility and kindness, a little bit more. There seems to be a lot more focus on purpose right now. Do you see a change in how people think? So purpose is, uh, you know, we clearly, man is a is a purpose-driven species. Homo sapiens is a purpose. We have so much evidence to show that. And one of the most important ways that we load our Yoda to make sure that Yoda is making the best decisions possible is to make sure that it knows exactly what the end game is. What, what are we doing this for? Why do I work so hard? What are the values that I hold dear that are actually 
they're just non-negotiable. And so that purpose is, um, you, you can have what we call a self-transcendent purpose, a purpose that really is much bigger than yourself. And that actually has a much more sustaining uh, you know, value to it than something that's all about you, some very self-preoccupied, self-indulgent purpose for doing something. But if you're really doing it for a cause much bigger than yourself, and you've loaded that in to this decision-making, um, really uh, hierarchy that actually is drawing from all these different areas of the brain, it, uh, it's really an important element in the whole process. Both Sheila and I were very surprised when we looked at how much is actually being done with school children. Very little is even being discussed about decision-making. Um, very, it's very, you know, very little discussion, even amongst um, training companies that are doing a lot of work inside companies. It's like, this might be the most important asset we have, but it's receiving so little attention. And that's why we wrote the book. We want to bring attention to this space and bring the very best science that we can so that anyone who really wants to as a pathway to improve their decision-making and the decision-making capability of all those that they are leading. And one follow-on to that is on, on purpose. Well, first of all, uh, the point about um, young people, uh, childhood and adolescence are known sensitive periods in brain development where new learning is just stickier. It tends to last and form these habits that just operate under the radar screen and last for life. It's the best time for learning. And uh, I'm working with some very talented high school students developing curriculum um, out of the book and uh, Youth Performance Institute as well, the nonprofit that Jim and I are working with are, are doing the same. But on the topic of purpose, um, it makes me think about Arthur, Arthur Brooks from Strength to Strength, which I'm sure you've read and know well. But if we think about the three things that sustain us over the long term, um, and these are all, you know, uh, integrated inside all of us as human beings, but the three top things that show up, if we look at the research uh, in terms of brain health and, and, and health in general over the long-term, because the same molecules that affect physical health affect uh, mental health, uh, exercise, doing something physically active every day, that exercise biochemistry, having a strong social group, friends we can rely on, doesn't have to be big, but people who, who meet us where we are, love us for who we are um, and are reliable. And then the third thing is having a sense of purpose and having something bigger than ourselves to get out of bed for every morning. And that connects us on so many different levels. It's, it's, it's good for our health. It's good for our family's health. It's good for our community and our society. Um, so yes, it is a major, it is a major driver um, of, of so many different things that are vital um, reasons that, that Jim and I wrote the book. Um, I think, you know, Jim's last book, uh, Leading with Character, um, he interviewed and he's worked with many, um, you know, Olympic gold medalist uh, CEOs over time and Olympic gold medalist athletes. And the thing that strikes them most as they reflect back on the things that are most important to them are really these things grounded in character, um, their sense of purpose, how they showed up over time. Not the wins, not the losses, not the economic gains, but who they who they are as human beings, and this is all connected to this kind of self transcending sense of purpose that is also going to help us thrive over time. 
So, okay, let's talk about the emotions that come into this. You're in the workplace, somebody gets a promotion, say, or a decision's made that you really have an issue with. It's hard to react maybe the way you want to. If you're trying to make a wise decision about how to act, but you are overcome by emotion, are there practical things you can do? Yeah, so this is another great issue. Um, Linda, you you put your finger on a very important element in wise decision-making, and that is what kind of emotional state are we in at the moment that we're about to make a big decision, even a small decision sometimes. We've learned that um, if you're emotionally hot, even, even if it's pure excitement, you're probably not going to be as clear-minded as you need to be to be able to assess all the variables that should be assessed in that decision-making. Um, and the same with you're in a highly negative energy state. You're angry, frustrated, vengeful, very um, maybe jealous, feeling insecure. All these are very common emotions in the workplace. And what we've learned from our look at the research, and that is that when people look back on their lives and they look at the decisions they were really, really not happy with, they often were made in when they were depressed, very sad, very insecure, angry, furious, and those decisions come back to haunt you. So we really want to be in a very clear, calm, focused, very present state and anything, as Sheila said, exercise, doing anything you can, making sure that you have plenty of blood glucose, because your neurons in your brain are gluttons for glucose and oxygen, doing anything and everything you can to get clear space, to become calm and clear-minded before you actually take on a decision. Postpone it. Maybe take a day or two if you can. If it's an immediate decision, take five minutes out. Take a deep breath, do whatever you can to try to come to the best possible place you can for making the best possible decision. And it's hard to, on that topic, it's hard to see in the moment mm. what is, you know, the, the broader details of what's happening. Because if there is a decision made that makes us feel stressed, what happens when human beings go get under stress is the the purview narrows you know we're not taking in sort of the broader information about maybe this is not maybe this is a, a good decision or a good uh you know a good a positive occurrence for these reasons we, we can't take in um the nuances of what the decision might mean you just might feel hurt or threatened or angry or what have you all these very normal and and adaptive human emotions so getting space Really, the thing that we do have control over is making meaning out of the things that happen in our lives. Things happen, random things happen that we have no control over. The part that we do have control over is the meaning we make of them. And when we strive, and this is a muscle we can build to make adaptive meaning out of the things that happen, we're just better for it. Health-wise, cognitively, mood-wise, relationally, we're better versions of ourselves when we can make positive meaning, even when, particularly when hard things happen. Okay, so let's say you're an organization and you want to build a management structure where people are making good decisions, reasoned decisions. What kind of support do you give people? Do you train them? Do you look for a certain type of person? Are there things you can do just to support them in the organization? 
Well, you know, organizations are very comfortable with training and they love, they train emotional intelligence. They train everything from finance to uh, all, all kinds of public relations and everything else. The one thing that most companies are not that accustomed to doing, and that is to really get their employees and all the people that are inside that company to be aware of the importance of decision-making. And we may make, in a 15-minute period, we may make 10 or 15 decisions. Um, we, we are you know, really decision-makers um, that uh, we, we never really are conscious so often of the fact that we've just made 10 decisions in the last 15 minutes, and we really haven't even given any conscious attention to what might might have been the, the right thing to do here. Um, and being able to pause between the situation, the stimulus, and the response is that uniquely human, is that sacred space. And we can increase people's awareness through training. And the book lays out countless ways of really structuring the learning process so that everyone who is interested in becoming better, you know, every manager needs to realize that every time they make a decision, all of their direct reports are watching them. And that you're actually modeling what decision-making is for better or worse, your children are watching you. And uh, that's how we learn. And if people are not really cognizant that they are making decisions and you know they just trust, trust their gut, I think I'm gonna do it this way. Or they just look at the facts and just simply do whatever the math dictates. And they fail to look at, well, what does my heart say about this? What, what, what am I feeling in my body? What is my, you know, what does my gut say? And what are the, what does my logical analytical self say? So that there are many assets that need to be drawn into the decision-making process, and that can be taught. And I believe, and Sheila believes, should be taught in school and should definitely be taught in the corporate world as well. Sheila, you want to add to that? Well, I think you said it exceedingly well. We, we've laid out exercises in the book uh, that are that basically make up a, a workshop. And I think, you know, it, it just the way we learn is nature via nurture. So the more we practice uh, being aware that we're making decisions, what are the level one, level two, level three, level four decisions? You know, what am I going to have for breakfast is a level one. The, this decision that may have a ripple effect out to many people within the company and the organizational uh, structure, that may be a level three or four decision, a relationship decision, higher level. So being aware of decisions is incredibly important. And then we lay out tools in here too. And, and for me and, and for Jim and for many people I know, breath is an incredibly powerful tool for grounding oneself in a stressful moment, just to be able to act rather than react because that power of the pause is a wonderful Viktor Frankl quote um, in the in our in our in our in our pause lies our ability to make a choice and in there lies our freedom and we always have the ability to make a choice but when we react impulsively that goes off the table and so taking a step back and training um, in little situations 
you know, kind of low stakes situations, taking a pause so that we train our way to be able to do it in, in bigger situations is an incredible superpower because often things we, we, again, when we get stressed, our purview narrows and we all have different triggers that, you know, have a, have, have grown in us over time based on our life experiences and our, our genetics and so forth. But being able to take a step back, make meaning, at least get, put space between ourselves and the situation at hand is going to give us the ability to hold on to the steering wheel rather than just letting it go and, and uh, you know, going going off uh, off road in a moment we really don't want to. We want to be thoughtful and reasoned and um, and fair and make a, you know, make a a holistic judgment using a 360 degree data set. I'm just going to say that it's so interesting in what we examined was is that so often the little decisions, it's like you decide to stay up and watch a late night movie. And it seemed pretty harmless, but you didn't get the normal amount of sleep and you realize you kind of overslept a little bit. And then you really didn't have enough time for breakfast or you ate something that really wasn't that healthy. And you're frantically driving now to make up for the lost time. And you're a little irritable because your blood sugar is low. And you kind of regret the fact that you stayed up so late. And then you rush into work. And now you're, you have a whole team in front of you. And you're going to make some very important decisions about what, uh, what should be the plan moving forward. And you really are not all there. I mean, you're just a little bit irritated, cranky. You're not the really reflective and really a thoughtful leader that you would normally be. And you go, you trace it all the way back. And it was the decision that seemed so harmless at the time that actually cascaded into what might be a very bad decision that was made during that meeting that changed the trajectory of the company. And so it's like, not all decisions are critical. But even the ones that seem insignificant sometimes can lead to profound consequences later on. And so we want people to put their decision-making process under the, under the light in an intensive way and just kind of look at how most people have no idea what they're referencing when they make a decision. They just make it. And we feel like that is something that is really unfortunate and it's because we've not given a lot of attention to the process and that notion of pausing between the stimulus and response. And what are the ideal internal conditions that are going to likely lead to the best possible decisions? That has not been brought to light. And there's so many things that can be done. And wise decisions actually points those out that can really be helpful, I think, in maybe the most important part of who we are as human beings. It, and, and an add-on to that, you asked about concrete things that people can do, Linda. Um, Jim brought up the issue of sleep and staying up for that late-night movie that just sort of derailed the whole normalized normal cycle that our body, you know, one's body is used to being on. Sleep is vital. Um, if anyone wants to know more about uh, sleep, why we sleep, why we need sleep, read Matt Walker's book, Why We Sleep. Uh, he's a Berkeley professor. He's excellent. Um, and but the, our prioritize sleep, making sure we don't drink alcohol a couple of hours before we go to bed, try to eat earlier on the, on the lighter side. Those basic self-care things are vital, but setting ourselves up for a good night of sleep is can be night and day in our decision-making processes. 
I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot to think about, but obviously uh, a lot to improve in terms of decision-making as well. Jim, Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Linda. It was great to be uh, on your show, and uh, we hope we created some value for your listeners. Dr. Jim Lower and Dr. Sheila Olson-Walker are co-authors of Wise Decision, a science-based approach to making better choices. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about making wise decisions, please take a look at our show notes. You will find uh, some links and more about our guests there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at RelentlessEco. Now, if you did like this discussion about work and the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people to find us. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio editing. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.